Welcome to today's program. My name is Rick Renner, and I have been waiting exactly for you. And not just me, but me and Denise. We are here together today. Hey, Denise. Rick, thank you for letting me be a part of your program. I really enjoyed what you shared yesterday about Queen Esther. Oh, Rick, isn't that amazing? It's amazing. And so far in this series, we have studied the life of Eve, the mother of the whole human race who had a lot of influence. <laughs> we studied the life of Noah's wife. A woman with so much influence, she could have stopped her husband, but she got into agreement with him and supported him, and the two of them with their family together changed world history, and we don't even know her name. I think about how many women have done such magnificent things in life, but they're invisible. We don't even know their names, and Noah was one of those women, but she was powerful, and she was influential. She could have stopped the whole deal. But she did not. With her attitude. And then we looked at the example of Sarah, a woman who began as quite a very difficult woman, but God touched her and God turned her into a princess. That's amazing. Then we looked at the example of Queen Jezebel. I, I, I call her the epitome of evil. She was a conniver. She was a manipulator. She committed all seven abominations that are listed in Proverbs chapter 6. And through her influence, she destroyed her husband, she destroyed her sons, and she tore down the entire nation. That's the example of a woman who wrongly used her influence. Then we saw the example of Bathsheba, a woman who began wrong but ended right. So many people begin in life wrong, but you can end right. And then yesterday, Denise spoke to us about Queen Esther, a woman who woke up and said, wow, I have to do something for my people. And she used her position wisely to deliver God's people. It is amazing. She had so much power and so much influence. And today we're going to see the next woman. Today we're going to see Mary, who was the mother of Jesus and an original Pentecostal. Original Isn't that amazing? Pentecostal? Isn't original Pentecostal. <laughs> You're ever praying with somebody to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? You can say, even Mary, the mother of Jesus, spoke in tongues. She did. I'm going to show you that today in the Bible. But hey, we're offering you the whole series called 10 Powerful Women. It's a 10-part series, and it comes in multiple formats with a study guide. The two of these together are so powerful. And my friend, you'll want to hear this and hear this and hear this. It would be a terrific gift to give to somebody else. And if you're a man, it would be good for you too, because this series is filled with powerful principles that apply both to men and to women. And we're offering you right now the book, which is called All the Women of the Bible. Please order this. You will love this. You will just devour it. It covers 400 named and unnamed women in the Bible and what they did with their lives and how they affected other people. You'll just devour it. And when you become a partner with our ministry, we're going to send you Denise's book called The Gift of Forgiveness and my book called Life in the Combat Zone. A partner is anyone who regularly gives to our ministry to help us take the teaching of the Bible to people all over the world. Just this week, I looked at the list of people, Denise, that are tuning in from all over the world to this program. People are looking for teaching that they can trust. And in Proverbs 10, verse 21, it says, the lips of the righteous feed many. I know that that is my job, but I can only do it with the help of partners who put 
fuel in the tank financially so we can take this program all over the world. And I want to say thank you if you're a partner. And if you're not a partner, please pray about joining us as a partner today. You can become a partner or get any of these products by going online or by giving us a call. And right now until October, we're offering you our unlikely story, our autobiography called Unlikely, Our Faith-Filled Journey to the Ends of the Earth. The back of the book says, if you're ready to read a true life story that will stir your faith to launch you out and experience your own unlikely adventure, this is the book for you to read. So order yours today by going online or by giving us a call. And until October, we're offering it at a radical discount. And if you need prayer, please let us know how to pray for you. We really mean that. But Denise and I will be back in just a moment. And we're going to talk to you about Mary, the mother of Jesus, and an original Pentecostal. Stay tuned for a teaching you can trust, a message that will inspire, strengthen, and equip you with vital insights and understanding from the Word of God. Here is Rick. Well, today we're going to talk to you about Mary, who was the mother of Jesus, and she was there on the day of Pentecost. She was an original Pentecostal. She spoke in tongues with everybody else in Acts chapter 2. It is amazing. But reach for your Bible. We always use the Bible in this program. And today we're going to begin in the Gospel of Luke chapter 1, verse 26, where the Bible famously says, And in the six months the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth. That's where Mary and her parents lived. Verse 27, To a virgin, a spouse to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Verse 28, And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored. Now, Denise, notice that, highly favored. And today we're going to answer the question, Why did God choose Mary? Why did she receive such favor? Why was she highly favored? And that's what the verse says. Thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Verse 29. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. Verse 30. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found, there it is again, favor with God. So twice in this text we read that Mary found favor with God. Why did Mary have favor with God? God chooses people for specific reasons. He doesn't just put names into a brown paper sack and shake them all up and reach his hand in and pull one out and say, okay, I'll use this one. If God chooses someone, he chooses them for a reason. If God favors someone, he favors them for a reason. And twice, the Bible tells us Mary was highly favored and favored. Why? Well, let's find out. Look at Luke 1, verse 31. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. Verse 32, he shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. Verse 33, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Verse 34, then said Mary unto the angel. Now notice these words, how shall this be? Notice what she did not say, impossible, this cannot be. I've never had a sexual relationship. This is an impossibility. She did not argue. She simply asked for clarification. 
And it's all right to ask the Lord for clarification. She wasn't arguing. She basically was saying, okay, I'll do it. I'll surrender. But tell me how. How is this going to happen? How shall this be seen? I know not a man. And notice the angel was very happy to answer the question. God will answer you when you ask for clarification. And in verse 35, the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing that shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Verse 36, And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the six months with her who is called barren. Verse 37, For with God nothing shall be impossible. And notice Mary's response in Luke chapter 1, verse 38. And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed. The word handmaid that is used here is the feminine form of the Greek word dolos. And here it describes a female slave. She says, I'm your servant. I am God's slave. Whatever God wants me to do, it may seem strange to my mind. I've never heard of anything like this before, but whatever God says, I am his servant. I'm here to do his bidding. I am his handmaid. Be it unto me according to thy word. That is amazing to me. It's amazing. Now, let's look at what Mary's home life was like when she was growing up. How was it that at such a young age, she could be such a willing vessel to be used by the Lord. Well, I'm going to give you some history. Listen to this. In addition to what the Bible tells us about Mary, there are many Christian writings from the first and second and third century that gives us a lot of insight to the family of Mary even before she met Joseph. For example, we know that Mary's parents were older and they had no children. They prayed for a very long time for God to give them a child. And when Mary was born, early sources say they dedicated her to God for God's purposes. This is what we today would call a baby dedication. But in fact, baby dedications really are parent dedications. When parents stand before the church and parents stand before God, Yes, they're dedicating the baby, but the parents are making a commitment. We're going to raise this child in the Word of God. We're going to raise this child to understand this child's life is to be spent serving God. It was really a parent dedication as they dedicated Mary to the Lord. But early Christian writers tell us that Mary's parents dedicated her to the Lord. So from the time that Mary was an infant, it was being instilled into her, Mary, God brought you into this world for a purpose. You are not an accident. God has an assignment for your life. You came into this world to do something for the Lord, and you've been dedicated for the purposes of God. That was instilled into her from the time that she was an infant. That's amazing. So she was raised to really believe that she had a special purpose that was shaped in her spiritually by her parents. It shows the power that parents have in the life of a child. And I'll tell you that when our boys were young, we were telling them all the time, God has a call on your life. God has something for you to do. We wanted to instill it into them. And that is a parental responsibility and blessing that we can put that into our kids. But Mary was raised to believe she had a divine purpose and she understood that her mission in life was to do whatever God asked her 
to do. So when God revealed his will to Mary through Gabriel, notice how pliable Mary was. She didn't say, this cannot be, no way. She simply said, how shall this be? And then she concluded by saying, behold, I'm the handmaid of the Lord. I am his servant to do his bidding, whatever he asked me to do, be it unto me according to thy word. There was no argument in the heart of Mary because she'd been trained by her parents and taught that she was to obey anything that God would ask of her. Isn't that amazing, Denise? It's just such an amazing attitude, Rick, because for her to say, I'm going to be, I will bear this child and I'm not married. Well, that was an offense to the Jewish faith, absolutely. And what is she going to tell Joseph? She had lots of questions, but yet she said, I'm willing. I'm willing. You know, people don't just say, I'm willing, by accident. That was instilled into her. She was taught to have a pliable heart. But what do we know about Mary's father? This also is very important. Early records tell us that Mary's father was in full-time ministry, and he was a scroll scholar. Well, if her father was a scroll scholar, and these were the sacred scrolls, it meant the Word of God was supreme in their home. The Word of God was being spoken in their home. From the time she was a child, she was hearing the Word of God. The Word of God was cultivating the soil of her heart. You see, there's a reason she found favor. She was a vessel that had been prepared by her parents, telling her she was born with a purpose, constantly speaking the Word of God in their home and speaking the Word of God over her life. Now, they lived in Nazareth, but nearby Nazareth was the city of Sephora. And in Sephora, there was a monumental temple, and there was a massive collection of sacred scrolls. And early writers tell us that Mary's father was actually the scroll keeper. Today, you might call him the librarian, but it was a sacred library. And he was in charge of all of those scrolls, all of those scriptures, a man whose life was committed to the Word of God and we would say in our words today that their lives revolved around the church. The church for them was the synagogue, but they were in the synagogue. Their life was built around activities in the synagogue. Everything they did was in service to God and speaking the word of God and doing the word of God. Their whole life was around church, doing the will of God and being committed to the scriptures. That is amazing. So I want to ask you, what about your children? Do you take your kids to church? Do you speak the Word of God over your children? Do you? Do you say to your kids, well, church is an option. If you don't want to go, you don't have to go. If you're saying that to your kids, you're making a mistake. You're communicating to your children or to your grandchildren that serving God is a low-level priority or that it is optional. Let me ask you in a different way. Would you ever ask your kids or your grandkids, do you want to go to school? Of course not. You know why? Because you believe education is important. You believe they need to go to school and be educated. If you just left it up to them, they probably would say no. Well, spiritual education and serving God is more important than any of that. So why would you make it optional? You need to say, of course you're going to church. Of course you're going to take your Bible. Of course, this is what we do. You need to instill that into your children. And the Bible says that if you will train a child in the way he should go, when he gets old, he will not depart from it. That is the scripture. You can stand on it and claim it. It is promised to you. But we have a responsibility to train our children in the way that they should go. And Mary did not become a willing vessel accidentally. 
She was raised in a godly home where the word of God was being spoken over her life and their lives revolved around serving God and she understood that she had been born to do the will of God. This is so important. But then when we come to Matthew 1 verse 18, the Bible tells us next. When as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together, that is before they came together sexually, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Well, what does that mean, espoused? Well, the word espouse, interestingly, originally meant to woo and to win, which means Joseph really wanted her to be his bride. But it is also the same word which describes a marital pledge or promise. So they were pledged to each other, but they were not yet married. And that's why the Bible says before they came together, they had not had a wedding ceremony, but they were committed to each other. Well, back in those days, it was very common for a Jewish girl to become pledged to her spouse about the age of 12. And most scholars believe that Mary probably was between 12 and 14 years old. That's very hard for us to fathom, but that's the way it was in those days. And they viewed marriage as being so serious that young couples back in those days in Israel spent one year preparing for marriage. So you were pledged and legally it was binding. Once you made a pledge, it was, it was a fact. You were going to marry this individual. But they didn't consummate the marriage and they didn't have the wedding ceremony until one year later. And for one year, the girls learned from the women, the men learned from other men. They really trained and they prepared and they entered into marriage with a great sense of responsibility and seriousness. And that's why their marriages were so successful. Whereas today, people just fall in love and run down and get married. And very quickly, they break their relationships. If we would enter into marriage very, very seriously, understanding what it is and really training and preparing for it, we would see fewer divorces. But the Jewish people understood this was a covenant and they took one year to prepare for the consummation of that covenant. But while they were in that one year period waiting, the Bible says before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. She was pregnant just as the angel had said would come to pass. Then when you come back to Luke chapter 1 verse 27, it says that the angel appeared to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph. The word virgin emphatically means she had never had a sexual relationship. It is a Greek word parthenos, which describes a virgin female, and it can also be used to describe a man that's never had a sexual relationship. So sexually, Mary is pure. She was a virgin who was pledged to a man named Joseph. It is amazing. And they were in that one year of preparation. And before they came together, she was found to be with child of the Holy Ghost. She was favored. She was highly favored. It's not accidental. She had been trained. She'd been prepared by her parents. And she had a heart that was pliable to be used by God. And she understood she was the handmaid of the Lord. The Greek word dole the female version of the word dolos, I am your servant, a female servant. I'll do whatever you ask me to do. Now, that's not the end of the story. Because even beyond that miraculous story, Mary was there at the cross 
when Jesus was crucified. We read about this in John chapter 19, verses 25 to 27. Mary saw him after the resurrection, and Mary was there on the day of Pentecost when the power of the Holy Spirit was poured out on the church. We read that in Acts chapter 1. Look at it. Acts chapter 1, verse 12. Jesus told them to go to the city of Jerusalem to wait for the coming of the promise of the Father. And it says, Then they returned unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. Verse 13. And when they were come in, they went into an upper room where abode both Peter and James and John and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, Simon Zelotes, and Judas the brother of James, verse 14. And they all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brethren. So Jesus' mother, his sisters, and his brothers are all in the upper room waiting for the promise of the Father, which leads us to Acts chapter 2, verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all together with one accord in one place, verse 2. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. It filled all the house where they were sitting, verse 3. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them, verse 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And that includes Mary, the mother of Jesus she was there on the day of Pentecost. Mary was an original Pentecostal. Isn't that amazing, Denise? It's powerful, Rick. It's, it's, it's like, do what Mary does. It's amazing. Get baptized in the Holy Spirit. Become Pentecostal. So if we're going to summarize, Mary was born really in response to her parents' prayers. She was dedicated to God as an infant. It was instilled in her that she came into this world with a divine purpose. The Word of God was spoken in their home and spoken into her heart. Their lives revolved around the church so that by the time she was between 12 and 14 years old and the angel shows up with an amazing assignment, her spirit has been so trained, she doesn't fight, she doesn't argue. She says, just tell me how it's going to happen and then says, okay, I'm the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And Mary carried power and influence to the very end of her life. And at the end of her life, she moved with the Apostle John to the city of Ephesus, where she lived to the end of her life. And we even believe that Luke interviewed her in Ephesus. And that's where he got all the information to write the Gospel of Luke. That is amazing. But we're out of time. We'll be back in just a moment. And Denise and I are going to pray for you. Women are powerful and very influential, but what kind of power and influence they have depends on what has happened inside their hearts. The Bible tells us of women like Jezebel, a woman who had no touch of God in her heart and used her influence to destroy her husband, her sons, and her nation. But the Bible also gives examples of women who were supportive, godly, helpful, and delivering. In this amazing 10-part series, 10 Powerful Women with Rick and Denise Renner, you will learn about an unnamed woman who changed history, a woman God radically changed, a woman who saved her nation, a woman who was delivered of demons by Jesus, a woman who gave her living room to Jesus, a woman preacher in the New Testament. Whether you are a man or a woman, this powerful series will help you embrace who God wants you to be and is available in digital or physical format starting at just $20. In addition, we are also offering you the book, 
all the women of the Bible. The world needs men and women to embrace their God-given destiny and to make a difference in the lives of those around them. This book is filled with examples of 400 named and unnamed women of the Bible, and it is amazing. We know it will be a blessing to you. This insightful book by Herbert Lockyer can be yours for just $19. Don't miss this special offer, this series, 10 Powerful Women, and the book, All the Women of the Bible. Call the number on your screen now or go to renner.org to order. Call or go online now. My friend, I need to speak to you very directly and honestly just for a moment. We need your help. You say, Rick, how do you need our help? Well, our ministry is bursting at the seams. We're so thankful that people around the world are tuning in to listen to our program because they feel like they finally found teaching they can trust. I hope that you feel the same way too. Well, if this program has been a blessing to you, just magnify that by people all over the planet that are tuning in to listen to our teaching. And they're reaching out to us for prayer. They're calling us for resources, for spiritual support. And that is a God-given responsibility. And we take this very, very seriously. But because we're bursting at the seams, we have to make some physical changes in our office in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We have outgrown our building and we need a new building and we have found one and it is fully furnished. At the same time, we are expanding our studio in Moscow and it takes a lot of money to build a TV studio. These are two very large projects that are taking place simultaneously and we can do it, but we need your help to do it. And I'm asking you to please pray about becoming a part of this project and give into our ministry to help us expand. We're told in Isaiah chapter 54 to strengthen your stakes, lengthen your cords, get ready for growth. And my friends, God is really responding to us and he's sending us growth. And now it's time for us to do what we have to do to accommodate the people that God wants us to help. Would you help us help them by enabling us to expand so we can better take care of people. And if your heart is saying, yes, I can be a part of this, if you would just go online to our website, you'll see how you can give or give us a call right now and we'll talk with you and we'll pray for you as together we expand. Well, I have had such a good time with you and with Sister Denise today. Thank you, Rick. Honey, we've been looking at Mary, the mother of Jesus, and an original Pentecostal. Mary spoke in tongues. Most people don't talk about that, but Mary spoke in tongues. If the mother of Jesus needs to speak in tongues, well, so do we. We do. So do we. Anyway, we're doing a whole series called 10 Powerful Women. Mary was powerful. Wow, there's so much to learn from the life of Mary and these other nine women. And the series comes with a study guide. Please order these right now by going online or by giving us a call. And remember that we're also offering you right now the book called All the Women of the Bible. It covers more than 400 named and unnamed women who really use their power and their influence to do something in life you will just draw so much strength from this. And please remember that right now we're offering you our autobiography at a radical discount. It is called Unlikely, Our Faith-Filled Journey to the Ends of the Earth. If you feel that you are unlikely, no one was more unlikely than Rick and Denise Renner to do what we're doing. 
but God delights in choosing the unlikely. So order your copy of this autobiography today. And if you need prayer, please give us a call or send us an email. But Father, we thank you in Jesus' name that you have placed your call upon each of us. And Lord, we want to say like Mary, be it unto us according to thy word. We don't want to argue with you. We just want to get an agreement and we ask you to pour your power yes. and your glory through our lives in yes. Jesus' name. Yes. Amen. Amen. Remember Ecclesiastes 8.4, where the word of a king is, there is power.